0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Joshua, and this is a badge of honor. And the last segment we talked about, God beginning a new thing, and He says, Behold, I do a new thing, shall you not know it? Say, Consider not the former, remember not the old, for I do a new thing, and it shall spring forth from the wilderness. Uh... Whenever God does a new thing, uh, man is always in a situation of dilemma, of anxiety, of um, confusion. Uh, If you look at the instance where Jesus told the disciples, let us go over to the other side. And in between when he told them to go over to the other side and the other side they were getting to, um, there was the wind that was boisterous that confused them there was a dilemma there was a confusion there was um, um, a situation that that they could not understand it says um our thoughts are lower than the thoughts of god god says my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways even as the heavens are higher than the earth so also My ways above your ways, and my thoughts above your thoughts. Um, When God begins to do a new thing, man is always in a situation of anxiety. And that is why God says, be anxious for nothing, especially to us, his children. He says, be anxious for nothing. And God always reveals, he always loves to reveal, and that is how God works. He always loves to reveal what he's about to do. Now, God did not just bring the plagues upon Egypt when the children of Israel were there. When God sent Moses and Aaron to the children of Israel to remove them or to... Um, to exit them from bondage, he did not just bring the plague without first informing them through his servant, Moses and Aaron. So that God always likes to have his people prepared. When, if you look at the instance when Abraham when Lot was separated from Abraham and Lot was now living in a place called Sodom and Gomorrah and God was about to destroy the, the land of Sodom and Gomorrah and the angels that came to Abraham were about living and God said, will I do a thing without revealing it to my servants? And God decided to reveal it to his servant, and then he told Abraham and Abraham said, "Peradventure." if there are 20 people who used to destroy, say no, for 20's sake, I will not destroy. That is why it is important for us to um, continue to have the, the, the office of the intercessor. Intercession is always great because intercession bypasses whether you have sinned, whether a person's sin is um, blocking the prayer or not. There are times when we pray. Um, a case in point is when, Daniel prayed not because he sinned but because the prince of Pasha withheld his prayer um, but if there had been intercession by other people it will bypass that and make the prayer happen quickly. The work of the intercessors make prayers come to pass urgently without looking at the righteousness or otherwise of the person being prayed for and that is why the, the, the ministry of intercession is lacking or has been reduced or is minimal in our time. And we ought to increase it because the intercessors are the people that do a quick work. That when they pray, God answers immediately. And the, the, the response for the people they are praying for comes quickly. And God looks at it that if he does it for the people they are praying for, the intercessor themselves also get their own prayers answered. Um, In order for me not to go into intercessory message, let me continue in this doing a new. When God was about to bring a New Testament or a New Testamental period, um, there was a break in between Malachi being the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, Prophet Malachi was one of the 12 minor prophets because you find out that um in the in the in the torah which is the jewish bible which is the old testament in its entirety which was taken over by the abrahamic um, um abrahamic religions we, when you're talking about that you're talking about judaism christianity and Mos- and um, islam um they all take um the torah In total, is the same. The Old Testament is the same. Now, where we have a variance or where there is a difference is from our New Testament. Even between the Catholic Church and the Protestants, you find out that the Protestants refer to the period between Malachi and the the Bible, I mean, the the Synoptic Gospel, which is um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find out that there was a period that the Protestants call a a period of prophetic silence, which is also referred to by theologians as intertestamental period. That is a period where there was no voice. There was a a period where there was a prophetic silence and um, it was approximated within a timeline of 400 years. Now, there are two schools of thought some schools of thought say that the book of Malachi was written around 400 BC, meaning before Christ. And then um, the, 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 the entrance or the message of John the Baptist began um, around AD 25. So the school of thought that says 400 BC was when Malachi was the book of Malachi was written uh, up to AD 25. You find out that that is about... Uh, 425 years but if you look at um, uh, the other school of thought that says that the book of Malachi was written around AD uh, 420 and um, then when um, John the Baptist came into the picture was around AD AD 1st century, first century. That is after the death of Christ. Now, the calendar year being used is is the calendar year of Christians because the Muslims have a different calendar year. The Chinese have a different calendar year. Depending on religion, they have their own calendar year. And the the religious beliefs have um, numbered their days in line with their religion. So in line with Christianity, we talk about before Christ and um, after Christ. Era. So if we look at it and we see the second school of thought that say 420 to 180, that's still about um, 421 years. So approximately it was, it, it is being referred to as 400 years of intertestamental period or prophetic silence of 400 years. Now, where am I going with this? Now, when God wants to begin a new thing, he always wants his people to know what he's doing. Like when COVID-19 began, uh, people, more Christians would have uh, be, been at ease if they had got a glimpse of what God was about to do. Like during the time of the, of the plagues in Egypt, God revealed this true Moses to the people even before it happened. Now, um, the reason why we don't get a lot of information is because we ourselves have failed to um, realize who we are in Christ Jesus. Now, our, who we, what we carry inside us is Christ. And who we are, we ought to know who we are. If we do not know who we are and what we carry, you say if a use of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable and that is the problem of christians to this day because the bible says that we are a royal priesthood we are a holy nation we are a peculiar people to show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light now god has brought us and made us priests has made us prophets and made us kings before this three um these three distinct functions were separated but during the time of david but because god wanted to use david for a new thing and said that of his rulership of uh, his children shall rule jerusalem um, and of his rulership there shall be no end the lord was talking about um the coming of the messiah jesus christ that david was supposed to be a great 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 grandfather of jesus christ and of the rulership of christ even after this world and heaven is passed away there's going to be a new jerusalem that jesus is still going to be a ruler over and there shall be no end um so it was a prophetic saying that through you i will bring the messiah and that is what God was talking about and he made sure he kept his word even when the people heard and sinned. Um, So this intertestamental period silence um, was a period where nobody knew what was going to happen until John the Baptist came into um, the scene. Now, I want to mess with your um, theology a bit. And I want you to realize that John the Baptist, though he's referred to in the historic book of the synoptic gospel, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels, um, but this synoptic gospel in itself had not marked the beginning of the New Testament. Uh Uh-oh. Yes, it's in the New Testament. When you see, they say New Testament, and then you see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. For example, the, the, the numbering or the placement of the books does not really also um, speak about when those books were written. For example, the book of John was written last, even after Revelation. <laughs> okay. Let's not go too much into theology, but I'm just trying to tell you how it works and how it is, the timelines. So... <laughs> The Synoptic Gospel talks about the history, about when Jesus was on the face of the earth. Now, the Bible says that the in, in, in the book of Hebrews 9, verse 16 and 17, I want to read so that you don't take my word for it. Now, Hebrews nine sixteen says, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. Jesus was the testator. Jesus was bringing the New Testament. When he was still alive, the testament was not enforced. It could not have been enforced. Now, this place also was where wills are derived in the modern day age. It is until the death of the testator, the owner of the will, that the will is executed or the will comes alive. Although they have modernized this so much so that some testators want um, their will to be executed before they log out. (laughs) By logging out, I mean before they die. And um, although that is not the classical rule and that is not what wills are meant for. Wills are meant to be executed originally after the death of the testator. In fact, when somebody dies without a will, they say that he, he, he died intestate, meaning that he did not have a will. So they will have to go to court and find the next of kin. And the court will have to adjudicate who the next of kin in the family will be to be the head of the estate. Um, meaning that he will be the one giving the, um, um, what do lawyers call it now, um, power of attorney. So they will give you the power of attorney to run the estate and execute the will of the late estate of the person. Um, But that is what the law will do. So, but ordinarily, a testament cannot be enforced. The New Testament did not come into place until Acts of Apostle. Until the Acts. That is Acts where the disciples began, you know, and Jesus had died and he had risen and he had gone to heaven, so the New Testament was only enforced or began around the end of the synoptic gospel when Jesus died, gave up the ghost, and he rose. So, in effect, it started from Acts of Apostles That's mes- messing with your theology in line with scriptures. Now, um, Hebrews 9.17 also says, For a testament is of force after men are dead, Otherwise, it is of no strength at all. Why detest it or leave it? Jesus brought the New Testament, but it could not be enforced until after his death, burial, resurrection, ascension. And when he got the crown and became the lion, he changed from being a lamb and he became a lion. Then the New Testament was enforced in the book of Acts. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, it's better for me to go so that we can send another comforter. By that time, the New Testament will come into place. I think the the episode before the last, we talked about the the, the Old Testament eras and the the dispensation of the Old Testament. And we said that the New Testament was the testament of grace, that uh, this period where we are right now from the death of Jesus Christ and the enforcement of the New Testament up to now, we are in the testament of grace, and that is because uh God said, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Um, so that is why we're in the testament of grace. Now, this is to let us know that when God wants to begin a new thing, it might seem like a period of confusion. Just like when an apostle, the apostle actually walks with the prophetic light. The prophetic talks about the future, but the apostle is one that can walk with the light of a prophet and he breaks fallow ground. That is, he treads on paths that have not been trodden upon before. That is why Jesus walked in the office of the apostle. He walked, he was a prophet. He also was an evangelist he went out evangelizing everywhere he was a a, 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 a pastor and then he was also a teacher uh, the fivefold ministries jesus did and that is just to let us know if you look at other times when god began a new thing look at the time of noah there was always a time of confusion after the flood um, there was confusion there were only seven people upon the face of the earth seven human beings and a, a pair of each animal, uh, so that they could go procreate, multiply, replenish, and subdue the earth. Um, there was a bit of confusion, and uh, God even had to swear, um, and showed a rainbow, and had a, a, a covenant with man, that I would no longer destroy the earth with water, like I did before. And God brought a rainbow to show a covenant and sealed it that I will no longer destroy the earth with this. And so God is doing a new thing even this period after COVID-19. It seems like there's confusion, but God has raised the remnant. God has raised people he has given his word to. But guess what? We're all priests, we're all prophets, and we're kings. And God has given the power for us to be able to prophesy in this end time to us. It is for us to sharpen this skill. And how do we do that? We stay in the place of prayer, we remain in the place of prayer, and we hear from him. And see, it is it is an error for a Christian not to know the next thing God is going to do. Because God doesn't work without informing his people. God is the one that keeps saying all over scriptures, let everything be done decently and in order. And God is a God of structure. God is a God of order, structure, government, uh, power and glory. So let us keep this and know that God is alive and he wants us to do well. And stay blessed and I hope if you have questions um, you can ask questions on Facebook just go to Um, just google creative architect and you can place your questions on creative architect via facebook god bless you even as you listen in the mighty name of jesus hello good day Welcome once again to A Badge of Honor, and my name is Joshua. In the last segment, we talked about the period of prophetic silence, or a period of intertestamental uh, period, In an intertestamental period or a period of prophetic silence, as it's called. Now, um, why would it take 400 years between... Malachi and Matthew, that we know as the beginning of the New Testament. Why will God wait so long? and why did he have to be 400 years? Now, there is something we ought to know. Everything God does, they are prophetic. Everything God does has been spoken a full times. Just like um, everything in the Old Testament reveals Christ. Because they say the the Old Testament is Christ revealed, and I mean is Christ concealed, and the New Testament is Christ revealed. Now, while Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John talks about the story of Jesus and Jesus walking the face of the earth from his birth down to his death, um, the old testament, on the other hand, were prophetic unctions, were prophetic talks, they were prophetic inclination, they were arrows pointing down to Jesus Christ, how he will be born, where he will go to, how he will ascend and what he will do and the things that he will even say. Um, it, 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 is, it is amazing that even what Jesus said when his ministry was about to begin uh, was from was gotten from the book of isaiah the prophet that had been prophet prophesied long time ago and jesus just opened the scripture he went into the synagogue he, the scroll was given to him and that portion came alive during the time of jesus and jesus had to tell them that today before you is this scripture that you have been read, reading all the times before my time is before you being revealed and because the old testament is christ concealed because everything you read in the old testament points to christ for example let me give you an example of um what is is uh, theologically referred to as Christophanes, that is um the concealment of christ in the old testament when you talk about um Melchizedek, the king of Salem. The Bible says that Abraham, after he went to defeat the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, and um, they were about four kings, uh, when he defeated the the kings that came against um, Sodom, Gomorrah, and uh, two other cities, when he defeated them and he came back with the the spoils of war, uh, he met he came back and responded to the kings of the cities that they had already stole their booties. And then he wanted to, he came to restore the things that were stolen back to them. I uh, won't want to go into the nitty gritties of the scripture because of time. But um, remember, he also met somebody that the Bible refers to as somebody that did not have a beginning, neither an end. He didn't have a father neither did he have was he mentioned a full time until he was mentioned at that period they said the king of salem who didn't have a beginning he his father was not mentioned and he also didn't have an end that's Christophan is also talking about christ that was to come which is talking about jesus and even the New Testament also explains that um, Christ is an example of a prophet like Melchizedek was in the Old Testament, because his lineage he came through the tribe of Judah, and the tribe of Judah were neither priests; they were not Levi- they didn't have um, a Levitical inclination for there to be. For you to be a priest in the days of the Old Testament, you had to be of the tribe of Levi. And he was not a Levi. He was from the tribe of Judah. And then he was a priest. So his father, his mother were not priests. How come he became a priest? Now, that is Christophanes talking about the concealment of Christ in the Old Testament. Okay, they said another example is Jacob he fought with an angel and when he fought with the angel the Bible says it was an angel the angel like removed his his ball and socket from his ball from the socket the ball from the socket so much so that his hip bone was removed. So that he now limped from that day of his life, and he said that I have fought with an angel, but it was not an angel; it was um, it was it was Christ that he fought with in that place. Also, another example is when Joshua saw an angel; said he perceived it to be an angel after he had um, received unction and he had begun to hear from God after the death of Moses. And Joshua was beginning his ministry. The Bible says he saw an angel. And of course, he was not used to visions and um, uh, prophetic expressions, but God was teaching him. And when he saw this angel uh, that drew a sword, he said, are you for us or are you against us? And that particular person he thought as an angel said, neither. As captain of the Lord of hosts, have I come? That's Christ. Now, I don't want to go into Christopher and Then I always get entangled and there's no time. And I'm trying to do 10 minutes all the time. But the scripture is tricky. You have to explain and build the foundation before you can talk about some things you want to talk about for it to make sense and for it to be solid. Now, um, I'm talking about a a 400-year period of the intertestamental... Um, period between the time of Malachi and um, matthew now god never does anything that doesn't have a prophetic a prophetic attachment now if you look at this 400 year period it is also the same because the old testament had a place of worship It had several places of worship, but it ended up with a temple. And if you look at it, the Babylonians came and destroyed the temple that Solomon built in 530 BC. That is when the Babylonians came and destroyed the temple uh, of Solomon. So there was no more place of presence, no more place of worship for the Jews, and so. When that temple was destroyed in 530 BC the second temple was not rebuilt until 70 AD the difference between 530 BC and 70 AD is 400 years so they had a prophetic silence or a period of intertest or inter let me put it this way i'm coining it in my own words inter uh, temple period <laughs> Between 530 B.C. to 70 A.D., which is also 400-year period. So there was an Old Testament and a New Testament era. And in between was 400 years. Just like in between the destruction of the first temple and the rebuild, rebuilding of the second temple was also 400 years. Depicting a time to come that a New Testament era was going to come. But guess what? After the second temple was destroyed, the New Testament era period is showing us, and Jesus has said that we, our body, is the temple of the living God. So you never no longer need um, um, bricks and blocks to worship God. We have now become the temple of God. That's why the book of uh, Romans 12:1 tells us that Our body is that we should keep our body as a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service because we are now the temples of God. So the third place or the third temple is our body, not one made out of flesh, not one made, sorry, made out of brick and mortar. It is now our body. We carry the presence of God. That is why I said that For us to know who we are, we have to have revelation of who we carry. When we know we carry Christ in us, the Son of the living God, the one whom we are in and is in us, the one that dwells in us, the Holy Ghost dwells in us, then we cannot be wrong and the Lord cannot leave us to be destroyed because we are his temple. Note when Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will rebuild. The, 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 the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes thought he meant the temple of Solomon, the temple that Solomon built and they said this man is crazy that this, this, was, this was built for 4, 46 years or so or so years. How come you say you will build it in three days that this man is crazy he must be he must be a madman but he was not talking about the temple brick and mortar. He was talking about his body being the new temple, which was the third dispensation. The first temple between was destroyed 430 BC. The second was rebuilt 70 AD. And then when that one was destroyed, our body is the third temple of Christ. I just want us to get that. And I just want to link um, between the 400 peri- year period where the children of Israel did not have a temple between 530 BC and 70 AD when the new temple was rebuilt. It is a direct link between the intertestamental period or what we call the years of prophetic silence. Because during those periods, that is when the synagogues were introduced when they were in the captivity. It, a, a synagogue was a place where they just held communal meetings and had uh, like a house fellowship. And they all discussed orally about the word of God. It was the time of Ezra that they now began to put pen to paper to, to write scrolls and everything they remembered. The way history was, was, was passed down from their fathers to them was by word of mouth, like storytelling by moonlight in the evening in the cool of the day their fathers will tell them what they went through in egypt and they kept on passing it down they kept on passing the history down until the time of ezra in captivity that they began to put pen to paper or they began to put ink to scroll and write it scrolls were parchment skin parchment where they wrote uh, down what they could remember. Of the of the commandments of God that had been passed down to them, so this is the link, and this is the reason for the four hundred year period. There was a silence because before anywhere they traveled to, they had to face, they had to face the east, they had to face where the temple was. They always had to face the east to pray. If they didn't face the east, then they didn't face the place of presence. But when the temple was destroyed, they didn't have any place to face because the place where God dwelt and where God's presence dwelt upon the face of the earth had been destroyed for good. And now they now had to have synagogues where they discussed about the word of God and um, they started to put it down in scrolls. And then... Um, Afterwards, everything was compiled and only priests could read until our dispensation where we even have it on our phones. And yet, we do not read it. But God will help us. God will deliver us. God will make us go back into a place of his presence. God will give us unction to be able to function. God will give us the hunger, the thirst to be able to read scriptures, to be able to study hunger for his word, to know. You see, the, the more you study the word of God, that is why... When they asked Apostle Paul, I've haven't written three quarters of the New Testament, they said, what is it? After his course, said, I've run the race, I've, I've finished my course, I'm fi- I've finished this thing. He said, then what else do you hope to do more? He said, that I may know him. Because the more you know of God, the more that you need, you know you. In fact, the more you know of God, it reveals to you that the less of the knowledge of God you have, you don't know this God. This God is so marvelous. He's so big. He's so awesome. He's so wonderful. He's so he's so everywhere. He feels everywhere. He feels time. He feels space. He feels everything there is. Then how dare you? Then if you know who the God is, the God you serve is, how dare you fret over a wind that is boisterous? He put the wind there. <laughs> when I read a portion of the scripture, it said, "How does the how does the sea?" Know where its boundaries are and not to overflow it. And the scripture says it is just by a simple decree that the Lord has put in place that it should not overflow its bounds. That decree is removed. You have tsunami, tsunamis everywhere. He created it. He's the one that saw that, oh, everything was formed, was void, it was rubbish, and then he said, Let there be, and there was. So let us get back to that place of presence. Let us know God. Let us study the word. Let us dig deep. Let us be able to get into the nitty gritties. Let us be able to go and study the word. Let us be able to enter deep. We are the ones with the real um, life here and the real covenant here. But yet, we are the ones that pray the least. We are the ones that do not fast. We are the ones that... That are absent of all these things, and the devil knows it. The minute we know who we are, then he's in trouble. You see, the bottom line of everything is when Adam and Eve fell. God said when He made man out of common dust, He just picked dust that was upon the face of the earth. It wasn't anything new. He just picked it. He molded it. After they had had a, a board meeting between the Father, the Son, and the and the Holy Ghost, said, "Let us make man in our own image, unto our likeness, and let us." And then He just formed. The mud. When he formed the mud, it was just like anything a a potter would do. And then he formed man. And after he formed man, guess what the difference is? He breathed his breath of life into him. He put the Holy Ghost inside man. The breath of life is the Holy Ghost. He put it inside man. And then when man died, guess what? The enemy, by the eating of the fruit, snuffed out the Holy Ghost outside of man. And guess what? When Jesus died, he ascended and resurrected and he was crowned, and we got the new testament. He gave us a new comforter, which was we had received in the old testament in the in the garden of Eden days. The breath of life was restored back unto man by infusing the Holy Ghost back into us. So we received back the Holy Ghost. The Old Testament people could not keep the Holy Ghost inside of them. The Holy Ghost just came upon them, they prophesied, or they, they were priests or performed their function, and the Holy Ghost left because their body was not um, holy enough to retain the Holy Ghost. And when Jesus died, his blood cleansed us from every sickness. The, The righteousness of God was imputed unto us and the Holy Ghost was put back in us. And that is why he says, greater works shall we do than he has done. And yet we have not even done equal works that he did. It's a lie of the devil. Let us wake up and smell the coffee. Let us know who we are. Let us know what we carry. And let us go out with joy. Let us be led forth with peace. Let the mountains and the hills break forth before us. Let them break forth into singing. The trees of the field shall clap their hands as we go out with joy. That's Isaiah 55 verse 12. Let us keep that scripture in our heart. Let us go out with joy. That is going out in joy. If there's only one joy, that's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the one that carries joy. Let us be led forth with peace. If there's only one Prince of Peace. That's Jesus Christ. If Jesus leads us and the Holy Ghost is in, us then every mountain will be brought down before us we will even have to speak because if if you have faith as small as a mustard seed that you shall say to this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and it shall be as you have spoken we will even need to speak because we carry the earth moving father and we, we are a temple of the Holy Ghost and we are the temple of the living God he no longer dwells in bricks and mortar that is who we are And that is what we carry. Let us receive the revelation. Let us become strong. Let us receive the will of God. And be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. Don't let no demon tell you any lie. In the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you. In Jesus name.